Hey, I'm Brian, and I get to share the Word of God with you this morning. When I started grade six, I transitioned to a different school, and uh, I found that transition particularly difficult. I had changed schools before, but um, I was just having a hard time fitting in with this group of friends. And uh, to the point where I remember at one point, I actually broke down crying with my mom at home, and I said, I need cooler clothes. My clothes are not cool enough. And so she took me to the mall, we bought a whole bunch of new cool clothes. And I remember the next day I went into school and obviously was dressed completely differently and everyone was like, who is this guy, you know? Um, but uh, one of the other things that I kind of noticed about that group of friends, I grew up with them, I spent many years with that same group, um, was we insulted each other a lot. Like, all in fun and in jest, but it was like very rude, very, you know, derogatory all the time. And I didn't even realize that that was something that we did until uh, I actually joined the youth group at City Gates, which had a different name at the time. Um, and I noticed that everybody wasn't insulting each other all the time. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And I realized, why do I do that? Like, I was insulting people, and it's like, obviously, that's not nice. <laughs> um, and that's the funny thing about the culture that you live in is that it's so easy to conform to the culture, either intentionally or unintentionally. Obviously, with the clothing, I was trying to fit in. Uh, but even with the insults, it was something that it was just like, I, I just naturally ended up doing it without even thinking about it. So um, before I say kind of the key verse that uh, today's message will be about, I thought it would be fun because we're doing some watch parties now to do a sword drill. So if you don't know what a sword drill is, basically it's, uh, I will say the verse reference and then the first person to find it in their Bible, whether paper or, or electronic, stands up and reads it out loud. Uh, it's a lot of fun you know, we don't really have a prize or whatever. So if you're manning the computer for a watch party, be ready to hit the space bar after I say the reference, um, and then uh, the first person to say it, give them a high five or something. I don't know, maybe throw candy at them if you have it, but. Uh, all right, are you ready? So here you go, sword drill. The verse reference is Romans 12 verses one and two. Romans 12 verses one and two, go. You can pause now if you want. And we're back. <laughs> I hope that worked out. If you're watching at home and you're like, I'm just waiting for you to continue, I will now continue. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'll just read it again. It is, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If this sermon were to have a title, it would be Be Conformed or Be Transformed. Be Conformed or Be Transformed. Um, I have to give a little bit of context before I kind of get into the main part of the message. So uh, at the beginning of Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore. So this, this sentence is actually a dividing line in Romans. So everything before this, Romans chapters 1 to 11, is the gospel. It's the gospel message. It's, you know, we all fall short. We're all sinners. The wages of sin is death. Uh, but his kindness leads us to repentance while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and then everything after this, so starting from verse 1 and onwards, it becomes very practical. It's, you know, a list of do's and don'ts. Um, and it's just very important that that word therefore is there. Otherwise, it's just religion. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of rules and things that you need to do uh, in order to get God to love you. But that's not the gospel. That's not the way that the gospel works. The gospel is actually while you were still sinning, Christ died for you. Um, and so, therefore, 
present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The, the outworkings of the gospel is because of the gospel, and it's not the other way around. It's very important. Um, now, the second thing I noticed was uh, this verse says, do not be conformed, but be transformed, which actually speaks of some sort of outside force. Um, and I think that that's actually the case in the same way as I talked about um, in grade six, I was conformed to the culture of my classroom. Um, it was something that was done to me. I was some, I had been conformed to the culture. Um, and that was, again, both intentional and unintentional. Sometimes it happens without noticing and sometimes we're trying to conform. Um, and so I think that that just kind of applies to both sides of that equation. We can intentionally be transformed. We can allow ourselves to be transformed or we can allow ourselves to be conformed to the culture. Um, now, the other thing, and this is kind of where it comes to a point here, is it says, do not be conformed to this world. Now, the interesting thing is that world, a number of times in scripture, the word world in English has been translated from the word cosmos, which is kind of like the world system. But that's not actually the, the Greek word that's used here. It is a heon is the Greek word, which actually means age. Do not be conformed to this age. And what's interesting is, is that the word age actually applies to a huge span of time. Um, and it was started in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve. Um, Genesis 3, you know, the serpent, he goes and he tempts Eve. Um, and he says kind of the key line that I'm going to focus on. Um, but uh, she says, you know, God told us not to eat from the tree. Um, otherwise, if we touch it, we're surely going to die. And the serpent says, no, you're not going to die. God knows when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. That is the way of this age, wanting to be God, wanting to be like God, wanting to sit on the throne, wanting to be in control. Um, and what's really interesting is, is that Romans 12 specifically goes completely against that, um, that way, that, that way of living of this age, um, of wanting to be God. And so there's actually five things scattered throughout Romans 12 that I'm going to focus on that are um, things that, you know, we can be conformed or we can be transformed. And so I'm going to go through them one at a time here, but um, I'll basically give kind of the context of the world's or the, the world's perspective and then obviously the, the contrast of what we need to be transformed to. So it goes like this. The first one is I do what I want. And verse 1 of Romans 12 actually right off the bat confronts that. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holding and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You are a living sacrifice. In other words, you're giving yourself up, not necessarily dying. You can be alive and be a sacrifice. And you're basically just saying, okay, I am not in control of my own life. I'm not going to be God. I'm going to submit to the Lordship of Christ. Um, that is in complete contrast to the way of this age, right? I do what I want. Um, very simply, the world says, do what you want, be in control of your own life. Now, let me just pause for a second. Don't let self-righteousness whisper in your ear during this message. It's very easy to be like, yeah, those sinners, those bad people doing whatever they want, bunch of murderers and Satan worshipers. <laughs> That's actually not really what's going on here. It's often so much more subtle. Right? Again, it's like the culture. It creeps in. We can be conformed without thinking about it. So let me ask a pointed question. How much time on a weekly basis do you spend in prayer? It's a tough question. 
It's a tough question for me to answer. I know I don't spend enough time in prayer. I know I spend way more time on YouTube than I do in the presence of Jesus. And so I think that's something that we can all kind of look at and face and go, yeah, I am so often love to just do what I want um, and not do what I know God wants me to be doing, which is spending time with him, which is spending time in the word, these kinds of things. And so um, instead of saying, I do what I want, what we should be saying is not my will, but yours be done. And again, of course, Jesus modeled that for us, right? In the garden, he's literally on his way to his death. And he's like, hey, dear God, it'd be really cool if this didn't happen, but... Not by my will, but yours be done. And so that is the model for us spent, again, in prayer. You'll find prayer comes up a lot through this. Um, Okay, so the first one is I do what I want. Number two, I am awesome. Definitely a way of this world. I've literally seen t-shirts that say I am awesome. (laughs) In contrast to that, Romans 12 verse 3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Man, we love people singing our praises and we love to sing our own praises. Social media is literally IamAwesome.com. That's literally what social media is all about. It's about broadcasting our own awesomeness. Um, And this is why being reminded of the gospel is so crucial. It's so important because the gospel actually reminds us, oh yeah, actually we were sinners and Christ died for us. Um, Oh yeah, it reminds us that the God of the universe that literally handcrafted stars, yeah, that God of the universe, we, we, you know, fall hopelessly short of that, obviously. Um, And it just goes right against that I am awesome narrative. I think a great example, of course, is the Lord's Prayer. So again, talking about prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Translate into modern context, dear God, you are so incredibly awesome, way more awesome than anything else, anyone else. Obviously, putting that in perspective, it brings the I am awesome, brings that kind of perspective down and confronts that culture that is so normal. Again, when I say the culture, I don't necessarily just mean our Western 2021 culture, which it definitely has that, but even just throughout the ages, this has always been our human nature, right? And so I think it's easy to be confronted um, by this and to confront that, sorry, constantly, obviously, in prayer, but also in the word and with others in community. I think being in community with others is so important because it can help kind of confront a lot of these um, culture things. Okay, so that's number two. Number three, I can do it myself. Sounds like a kid's TV show. I can do it myself. In contrast to that is Romans 12 verses four and five. It says this, for as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Um, I love the scriptures that talk about how we are parts of a body and how like the finger can't say to the foot, I'm more important than you. Like all of the parts kind of play a part. And it's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking that we don't need community, that we can do things by ourselves. Um, The individualism in our society right now is off the charts crazy. Again, this has always been part of our age, but very specifically right now. You know, obviously we can cater anything to ourselves. You know, my kids can watch anything that they want at any time on Netflix, or you can play any song you want at any time on Spotify. Um, Often we don't end up asking others for help. We just Google search it. Um, And I think the most harmful of these habits is actually secluding ourselves. A lot of the time when we go through a tough time, I find people will just kind of pull away from others. They don't want others to know that they're struggling. And that's why community group is so important because it's it's a place to kind of be like, hey, 
I'm going through this really tough time right now. I'd love to have some prayer. I'd love to have some input. Um, and that's something that you can't get when you're by yourself. I love the New Testament says one another 59 times. It's pretty hard to one another when you're by yourself, right? And so instead of saying, um, I can do it myself, what we should be saying is, Lord, I need you and I am part of your body. So that is just obviously in direct conflict. Okay, so, so far we've said, I do what I want. I am awesome. I can do it myself. Number four is I know best. And in direct conflict with that is verse 16 of Romans 12. I'm going to read from the New Living. It goes like this. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Oof. I think as Christians, we are extremely susceptible to this. I think we can get the mindset that says, well, I know Jesus, and so I have all of the answers. It's very easy to fall into that trap, when in fact, that's not the case. And um, Alan Frau, who is a good friend of this church and um, part of Southlands in California, he recently posted uh, to his blog, he doesn't post very often, but he posted something that I found extremely profound that relates to this point. He's talking about Peter in the garden, when Jesus is to be betrayed. Um, Peter and the disciples, they knew for a fact that Jesus was going to come and he was going to overthrow the government. He was going to free the Jews from the Romans and the Roman rule, and it was going to be great. Uh, except that's not what happened at all. That was not Jesus's plan at all. Um, and so that misunderstanding came to a head in the garden when Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to get arrested now. Peter's like, what? No. And he freaks out and he pulls out his sword. Um, uh, Alan makes the point he probably didn't intend to chop the guy's ear off. He was probably just really bad with aim and, you know, the guy ducked and got the ear. But um, the point is, is that obviously Jesus confronts him. He's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand what my plan is. And so he was thinking he was acting on Jesus's behalf, but actually he was literally going directly against Jesus. And so thinking about that, it's very easy for us to be like, oh, silly Peter, he didn't know what he was doing. But I think we can do this all the time. But what's interesting is that um, Alan Frau specifically draws the connection to a few verses earlier. So in Matthew 26, Jesus told his disciples to pray. There's that theme again, prayer. And he goes off to pray by himself. And he comes back three times and he finds the disciples sleeping and not praying. But what's interesting is that he told them not to pray for him, but to pray for themselves. So that's what's most interesting is that it's like, it's not that Jesus needed their prayer. It's that they needed their prayer. That was the issue. And they hadn't been praying for themselves. And so, again, spending time in prayer is key in all of these things in confronting the culture of our age into not conforming to this world, to this age, to this I am God, I want to be God, I want to sit on the throne kind of a mentality. It's so easy for us to think that we know what God wants. Well, I'm a Christian now, so obviously God wants the same thing as me. Um, and it's very easy to shoehorn that mentality into all sorts of issues. Um, and we can often be extremely arrogant. So the solution, of course, is not that I know best. It is you, O Lord, know best. Um, and the only way to know what God wants is to spend time in prayer and to spend time in the word. Um, I love Isaiah 55, 9. It says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than yours. This is God speaking to his people, reminding them to say, you think you know best, you don't know best, right? So that's the fourth one is I know best. And then finally, number five, uh, another big one, I demand justice. So in direct conflict with that is actually two verses. 
in Romans 12, verse 17 and verse 19. So verse 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And then verse 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay, tricky question. Can you forgive someone who does not apologize? Someone who doesn't even think they did anything wrong. Ugh, it's hard. It's often hard to forgive people even when they do apologize, let alone when they refuse to apologize. And yet, once again, Jesus modeled this perfectly for us when he literally said, while he's being murdered, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's literally saying, praying and speaking to God and asking to forgive those people that are killing him. That's crazy. And so this model of us demanding justice um, is just completely backwards from what Jesus taught us, right? Jesus said, um, obviously, to forgive as you have been forgiven, right? Um, I think of the parable of the unforgiving debtor, you know, the guy that owed like something like a million dollars to the king, and the king forgave him graciously of that debt, but then he goes and finds a guy that owes him like a hundred bucks, throws him in debtor's prison, which is obviously ridiculous. And he obviously just didn't understand the gravity of the grace that had been given to him. And so again, instead of saying, I demand justice, we should be saying, I forgive others as you have forgiven me. And again, that's part of the Lord's prayer. So the truth is obviously only God can sit on the throne. Only God can say that he is awesome. Only God can demand justice. And the thing is, he does in fact demand justice. He is a just and perfect God. And so unfortunately, we fall incredibly short of justice. A lot of the times we get this weird idea in our head that it's like, if I do enough good things, it'll balance out the bad. But even our human justice system doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter how much good you've done in your life. If you kill someone, you're going to jail. Um, and so the good news is that obviously someone actually has already paid your fine. Standing before God, we deserve justice, we deserve punishment, we deserve death, and yet Jesus died our death, the death that we deserved on the cross, so that we can actually receive salvation, so we can be forgiven of the justice that we should have actually received. That justice was laid upon and fulfilled in Jesus on the cross. So if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, um, this is your invitation. This is your invitation right now to say, you know what? I actually, I know I d deserve justice. I know I am not a perfect person, um, but I'm willing to accept this Jesus as my savior. But here's the thing. Jesus is not just our savior. He is also our Lord. He sits on the throne. He is God. And that's the hardest part. One of my favorite bands, Project 86, has this line that says, nothing is more expensive, but it's been given to you at such a bargain. Such a bargain. It costs you your life. You actually have to give up control of your life. Jesus said, if anyone comes after me, he has to count the cost of following and take up his cross. You have to give up your life. As Paul said, be a living sacrifice. And that's the hardest part. You have to count the cost. Are you willing to give up control of your own life and say, you know what? I need God to be in control of my life. I need God to be sitting on the throne because honestly, his ways are better anyways. He knows better. And again, receiving that grace and that forgiveness, they go hand in hand. Jesus is both Savior and Lord, right? Um, now, one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 10, 14, says, For once, through one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. If you have already made a decision to follow Jesus, that's fantastic. He has made you perfect forever. That's where I stand. I've been perfected forever. But I am very far from perfect. <laughs> very far from perfect. But I am being made holy. 
God is like the potter and we are the clay in his hands and he is shaping us. And that's why that verse at the beginning, Romans 12, where it says, don't be conformed, but be transformed on a continual basis. God is transforming us because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Okay, so I want to come back. I want to finish um, with that word that we said earlier that means age. I didn't write it down here in my notes. What is it? It's aheon, meaning age. That's the, that's the Greek word for it. It actually appears a number of times throughout scripture, uh, other than, you know, as opposed to that cosmos one. But there was one appearance that I found so helpful. It's at the end of the Great Commission, you know, where he says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so God is with us and he is helping us to not conform to this age. He is with us and he is helping us and he is transforming us. So I'm going to hand over to Mike now and he's going to finish up with a commission. God bless.